Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Um, I was, I've recorded a few episodes at this point, and I'm about to have like four of the busiest weeks ever <laughs> um, between going out and filming Desert Rats for our documentary and then going on a road trip and then heading to a family reunion and all that stuff. And I, so I recorded a handful of episodes and I was like, which one should I put out this week? Um, and as soon as I sat down today and recorded this with Corey Reese, uh, I was like, it has to be this one. Um, and I'm going to tell you why right now, but I think you'll really understand like once you listen to the episode, but like as we were talking and we're talking about his book stronger than the dark, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's exploring the intimate relationship between running and depression, uh, as only Corey can. Um, very open, very raw, um, but also like if you've read any of his previous books, like he's able to really bring like the reader along for the journey by like you form a bond with him, like through his writing. It's really, really cool. Um, but as we we're talking, we we're talking about this thing called functional depression, and that's when someone's really, really, really struggling, um, but you may not notice it from the outside. It's not like they're losing or uh, it's not like they're missing work. It's not like they can't get out of bed. It's like where they're putting on the smiling face, smiling depression. They're putting it on and going about their day to day. And as I read his book, um, which once again, like you guys should seriously check it out. If you're a fan of ultra running and kind of the, some of the things we've talked about on here is like, what are some of the deeper things that goes through someone's brain as they are running these really long distances or taking on these giant adventures? Um, I think this one just absolutely nails it. Um, and you know, as I was reading it and Corey's explaining this, I was like, man, how many people, how many people will relate to this either from the oh shit like i'm going through this right now or i'm going through something similar right now where i'm going through something but i don't feel like i can talk to people i think i have to like power through and grit through on my own um or how many people are going through it from like hey there's someone i love who's obviously having a hard time and and isn't opening up uh that kind of level so after i talked with Corey, i was like i gotta put this episode out immediately because this is something someone may need to hear like right now, like today. Um, there's no reason of putting it off, um, you know, for a couple of weeks. I, I'm like, this is too important of a topic. And he's really cool because he's open with his story and his journey. And he's he's kind of like breaking that stigma of like dudes not talking about mental struggles. Um and so I was like, I got to put it out now. So anyways, what you're about to hear is a wonderful conversation with a really amazing dude, amazing human, uh, but also just a great writer. If you've ever read his blog, if you've ever read the articles he's written or his books, which are nowhere near first, which is kind of like him entering the ultra running uh, arena, um, and then into the furnace, which is awesome. We talk about it a little bit at the beginning, but it's just about Badwater 135. It's it's kind of about his experience doing it, but it also kind of goes into the history of Death Valley. It's awesome. This is definitely by far his most personal journey, his most personal kind of memoir. Uh, Stronger than the dark. Uh, it does have a tie into ultra running. Um, he ran Vol State, which is uh 
this really crazy race across Tennessee where you have 10 days to do it. And there's like not wild dogs, but there's always dogs barking at people and trying to get them. And there's like ridiculous heat and rain and people are just eating gas station, like ravioli and stuff. Like it's awesome. Like that aspect of the book is just a great, like, adventure ultra runner writing um but like i said it digs in deep here uh into his kind of mental battles and his mental journey as well so i'm psyched to uh share the podcast with you guys um thank you for listening let's get right into it this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 257 with Corey reese This week, I'm super excited. We're bringing on Corey Reese. Uh, Corey's an author, a family man, um, an ultra runner. He just wrote, like seriously, and I'm not just saying this, and I, I realize I say this about a lot of like books I read, but this one, Stronger Than the Dark, like, dude, it just hits home on so many levels of why ultra running is what it brings to our lives and like what it opens our eyes to see. Um, so, uh, I brought you on to talk about that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, man. But first I want to hear like, it's has to be like 110 degrees where you are. How are you holding up? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I think today is supposed to be 114, which I don't know. There's like three months of living in Southern Utah that I feel like it should be illegal to live here. Like, smart people would not live in a place this hot and yet here i am like the other nine months are awesome but there's three that are like oh what am i doing 114 that's that's ridiculous has this year been more like i don't know seemingly in the last week i'm like this seems way hotter than normal it seems like that to me too and it hasn't rained i i can't remember the last time it rained it yeah it's gonna be a rough summer i think yeah. Do you, are you just like, sweet, this is great heat training for me? And no, I hate it. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to be lazy for a few months because I don't know, even when you go out at the crack of dawn, it's still so hot. Yeah, dude, that's wild. And plus, I have to say, like, you wrote this book called Into the Furnace, which I've loved and I've <laughs> recommended to so many people. When they're like, oh, like anytime someone says the word Death Valley, I'm like, you should read Into the Furnace by this super awesome ultra runner, Corey Reese. Um, yeah. That, that almost feels like a past me. Like, I don't even recognize that me anymore because like, yeah, Death Valley in July, it, it doesn't get any hotter than that. And now I just, I hate walking from the store to my car in the parking lot because it's so hot. I, I yeah, I, I must have softened up a lot since then because I'm a I'm a sissy when it comes to heat now. No way, man. You haven't softened up. Here's my theory, okay? Okay. Like you have the challenge in your brain, right? Like yeah, you're yeah. like, I'm gonna do bad water 135. That's the challenge. It's super hard, I have to imagine. I mean ridiculously yeah. hard, like beyond ridiculously hard. But that's the challenge, right? And you can do it and you can keep pushing. But as soon as it ends, you're just like, oh, how did I do that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. And you know, from your experiences with crazy races, like you, you figure out a way to do it. But afterward, 
you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. It's like when you finish a 50K and your legs are dead. And then, but then you go and like, you know, the next event, maybe you do like a 50 miler and you get to the 50K mark and you're like, oh, they're kind of sore. But like you're, but you, you know, it's just like, whoa, just, I think having that challenge in your head, like is allows you to push farther. I think, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, totally. Dude, that's so wild, man. Um, (laughs) We're going to get, I want to get into uh, your book and Vol State and all that. Um, But I have to say last time I talked to you, it was probably like two or three years ago before the um, Into the Furnace came out. Yeah. And for whatever reason, all I remember is we couldn't get a connection. So I had to hold up my phone on speaker <laughs> next to the mic. So this is so much better. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Look at us with our technology. Dude, just zoom in away. Just zoom in away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's kind of like get into Vol State a bit. Um, what, when, you know, you hear about Vol State and that's the run across Tennessee and you can probably describe it more. Um, you hear about the heat being a huge factor going from bad water to vol state. It has to be like a different kind of heat. Like yeah. what, what's the kind of the difference between the heat and those two events? Well, so living here in Southern Utah, uh, it gets really hot, but we don't have the humidity. And so going back East and showing up in Tennessee, um, I don't know, like I really, I don't know how people back east survive and, and in the south, like with the humidity, it just, it's like a really hot, wet blanket on you all of the time. And it's like that, that warm, wet air just fills your lungs like lava. And it, it, it just is really, it, it makes, it makes it a lot more challenging, really. Um, maybe people who live out that way are used to it. I, I just, it, it just complicated things so much. Like your body is always wet. Your feet are always wet. Um, like hashtag insane blisters. And, and your clothes are always wet. Like that's not going to end well with, chafing and like um it it was really it was really um a a challenge it it just wreaked havoc on my body did you like uh try to like keep up on like keep my socks dry keep my shirt dry keep my like or did you just give up at some point like i none of this is gonna stay dry i i was naive at first and thought um Okay, so there's <laughs> there's this experience that I had. Um, I, I was there with my friends Jeff and Carol, and um, we were, I think, maybe on the second or third day of the race, and um, we decided to stay in a motel for a few hours during the heat of the day. And, and they had done the race the year before, and so they said, okay, what you do is you... Um, you rinse out your clothes, like wash them the best you can in the sink and then hang them up to dry while you sleep for three or four hours. And I, I kind of hoped that after three or four hours, they would dry off a little bit. I mean, not even a little bit, 
they it's just like putting putting on wet clothes again it <laughs> it just was like oh no this is this is not not good so i realized pretty quick nothing nothing will ever be dry and there's a little bit of comfort in it like um i think three or four times we got hit by flash floods just torrential downpours and and it really wasn't a huge panic because it was like well i can't get any more wet than i already am so you just go out you're walking in the rain and like normally i i would think i'll i'll, I'll wait until the rain dies out before going out but what's the point you're already soaking wet your your shoes are soaking wet might as well just go dude <laughs> is there any way to even prepare for vol state like i can't i can't even like you just saying that right now i'm like i mean i guess you could go out and run when it rains but does, that doesn't really prepare you i can't imagine yeah it it's it's hard so so it's a 314 mile race and you have 10 days to do it so in training i think like doing some back-to-back -back runs is helpful and going out in the heat of the day is helpful but it seemed to me like even even doing those things just can't really prepare it's it's like going out to run 100 miles like you can you can go do really long training runs you can push yourself you can do night runs you can try to simulate the best you can but there really is nothing you can do in training that will feel like miles 70 to 100 you you just you just there's nothing you can do so at that point in the race you have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other it's kind of like new territory dude but i mean putting one foot in front of the other in like mile 60 or 70 seems different than putting one foot in front of the other <laughs> knowing that you have 315 miles to go you know what i mean yes like yes. what are you like what are you telling yourself and he, i guess one thing that i loved we'll get into like a lot of the book and like so, some of the more kind of deeper st deeper things you know that you went through mm -hmm. in your brain and all this stuff but one of the things i loved about the vol state descriptions one you're just you're a great writer like you make it really relatable um and even through the hardest most difficult times like you're able to like look at and describe it in like a almost like a humorous way um but i loved the description of vol state of just you being like everything is stripped away like your humanity almost is like stripped away at that point <laughs> like it's wild man yeah it's such a unique experience. It's unlike anything I had ever done before because I had done lots of 100 milers and bad water and stuff. But what a crazy experience to just be t totally disconnected from life, from responsibilities, from obligations for seven to 10 days yeah. where your only focus is to just keep moving forward. And and there's no distractions it's like it you're you're just there with you for better or worse um yeah it was it was pretty crazy it is crazy man dude and i think one thing that's powerful about the book is you use 
this story as like a framing device, like um, to talk about kind of like the deeper issues that you struggled with, with uh, like functional depression and yeah. your descriptions of functional depression too, like really opened my eyes because, and you, I want, I kind of want you to kind of like explain what functional depression is, but yeah. like you're describing this almost like smiling depression where yeah. people from the outside might not know really what's going on inside. Can you kind of like talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. I've always been a pretty um, optimistic, happy person. Like I, I haven't really experienced depression before. And the crazy thing is that I'm a social worker. I, yeah. I have been a social worker for almost 20 years. I know about depression. I, I've done the schooling. I've worked with people with depression. I've done therapy. I've, I mean, I, I understand depression. And yet, I really did not fully understand depression until I experienced it myself. And there were a couple things that like, triggered it. Some people um, just... Are, are living with depression year after year and, and they've almost kind of forgotten what it feels like to feel normal. I wasn't like that. Mine was kind of situational, like triggered by a few things and, and it kind of came up unexpectedly. And um, I guess the, th the thing that I regret is feeling embarrassed about it, like ashamed. And that's so dumb because I, I refer people to therapy all the time. I've done therapy and I don't, I don't look down on it at all. I don't look yeah. up, look down on them. I, I really don't. I mean, I think in my profession, in my experience, I, I don't have that stigma against mental health treatment unless it's me, which yeah. is, like it, it just doesn't make sense. So I, I hit it for a long time. I, I didn't even tell my wife. So I just, I just covered it up. I, I just did, did what I needed to do every day. Um, it still fulfilled on all my obligations, did what I needed to do. But there was this mask that I was wearing that was just covering up the, the, struggles that I was having. So um, I think that functional depression is really common. Um, I, I know it's common because I talk to, um, I'm, I'm in medical social work right now and I talk to patients every single day. And I know, I know that so many people are, are just getting through the day, but yeah. they're, they're in a dark place. Yeah. And it's almost like it's hard in this day and age too, because everywhere you look, whether it's online, well, mostly online, if I'm going to be honest, but yeah. you know, you're seeing these smiling pictures, people are putting up their best selves publicly out there. And I know people probably have been doing this for like through history, right? Like publicly, yeah. you know, like when people come over to my house, I'm like, clean the house as best you can. And then people come over and I'm like, we tricked them into thinking the house right. is clean. We did right. it. Uh, <laughs> rather than showing, you know, our messy true selves. 
Um, but especially when you get to like online stuff, like people are putting just the best of themselves out there and you kind of get this false perception of like, oh, everyone's doing great except me. And that almost makes you want to like close off even more, I guess. It's so true that that contributes to those, those feelings of inadequacy or, um, I'm, I'm different than everyone else. And that's, that's really like, in my mind, one of the biggest lies that depression tells is I'm alone. And, and it's, it's just not true, but exactly like you said, if you look on social media or look around, like you don't, you don't know what people are going through. You, you see the curated part of things and that doesn't always tell a whole story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, I don't know. It's almost like dangerous for a society, I think. And yeah. the thing I loved about your book and, you know, I, and I have to say this, like I wrote this question down, is it weird talking about this as like a story or a book when you're like, this is what happened to me like a few years ago. You know what I mean? Like I was like, yeah. such something so personal because um, into the furnace, your bad water book, there was historical aspects. You were talking about the history of Death Valley. You were kind of focusing on different runners who ran it along with your own tale, but it wasn't like super personal. Right. Like cuts to the most personal story you could tell, which is your kind of insecurities or your battle with something that for whatever reason you felt like you had to like keep inside for so long. Like, is yeah. it weird talking about like as a book? It's, it's the book, the, the idea of this book originally started with just, there's this insane race in Tennessee yeah. and, and I can't wait to go experience it and see what happens. And like that, that's going to be cool. And, and it, it just kind of like morphed and, and all of this other stuff was going on this depression stuff and health stuff. And, um, I just felt like leaving that stuff out of the story would be insincere and incomplete, yeah. but there were so many times, I mean, so many times as I was writing, like, ugh, I, I don't know if I want to put this stuff out there. And then once the book was done and, and then there was like the process of, like having the graphic design stuff done for the book and the editing and then like the printing stuff and every single phase along the way, I just, it's like, Oh, I, this was so scary. Yeah. Like, because once you put it out there that it, you can't take it back. So yeah, it was, it was really hard to like get the guts to do it, but it, um, I will say that the response to Stronger Than the Dark has been completely different than the other books. I mean, I think that the other books like connected with people in different ways and um, I, I think they served and still serve a purpose. Like they, there's, I mean, that stuff about Death Valley, I think is so cool. Like the history and 
and then mind blowing. That was my favorite part of the whole book. Was just I know pioneers going across it. You know, yes, being like, here's a shortcut. Some guy like tricked them into it. Yeah, like what is what? No, bad idea. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, like that stuff to me is way more interesting than my story. But there's there's cool stuff. But this book, it it is so raw and so vulnerable and um i'm just really humbled by the response that it's gotten where people are like thank you for kind of putting into words how i've been feeling or things that i'm too scared to say um and or like i'm gonna talk to my husband about some of these things that i've been scared to talk to him about or like I, i don't know i just I think that vulnerability and talking about hard things, people connect with that. And um, it's been, it's, it's been a confirmation that I made the right choice to, to go deeper with this book. Yeah. And it's breeding empathy in people. Like even in myself, after reading it, I was like, I need to, sit down with some people with some loved ones and just be like let's talk about a few of these harder things that yeah we've left to go unspoken you know mm-hmm. which is powerful man because that stuff that's ripple that's the ripple effect you know that spreads out and that's like i mean i'm so grateful that you shared it honestly i don't know how else to put it it was it was really powerful just in my life and you know the more people that read it you're like this is going to change everybody's perspective who reads it 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 has to it's it's that powerful of a story like honestly thank you and i think the the like the takeaway almost is you know there's a there's a heroic moment when you opened up and finally told someone how you're feeling and it's interesting reading in a book because we're seeing your thoughts throughout the whole story and then eventually, though, you get to the point where you tell someone how you've been feeling. And from there, it just opens up. And it's this idea of like, you, you're carrying this heavy burden, but as soon as you share it, all of a sudden, you, your burden is lightened. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, that, was, that was such a big takeaway for me, like with this whole experience. Um, and and something that I hope people take away from the book is just that that first step of admitting, hey, I'm I'm having a tough time. Yeah. It it's so hard. But immediately is there it just takes so much weight off to to stop keeping secrets, to to admit that you need some help and you and the thing is, we don't have to do it all on our own. Like, there is help available. There's resources. It's just that first step of asking is really hard. Yeah. I, it makes me think of um, one of my favorite lines in a movie. Uh, it's the Royal Tenenbaums. Have you seen it? I haven't. Okay, so I'm going to spoiler alert okay, it. Sorry. Okay, do it. Sorry, Corey. It. You need to watch it, though. It's good, Wes it. Anderson. Um, it's about this super dysfunctional family in like New York city, like beyond the normal dysfunctionality of all of like everyone's family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Ben Stiller is his character is like, 
he's like type i think it's what's it called type a where you're really like controlling (laughs) right all this and it's and it's gotten worse like his wife had passed away in the last year and he's raising these two boys and his type anus just went crazy you know can we get a shirt that just says type anus i don't i don't i don't know if that would work i think it would i think it definitely would i caught myself with what i said after i I like it anyways at the end of the movie all this craziness went down his dad is gene hackman who's just like not a great dad you know uh and this just this scene dude they're like all this craziness just went down i can't really remember what happened but and they're just sitting on the edge of the street like on the sidewalk and he finally just looks at his dad and he just goes man i can't even say it without like almost tearing up i don't know why it's so silly but uh he just looks at his dad and he just goes it's been a tough year pops and he finally like opens it up and his dad who's not a great dad but is there for him and you're like yeah dude like just talk about it just let it out like we all carry are heavy loads but like at least and you feel almost like this is a burden to me right like you're carrying something you're like this is my burden if i share it i don't want it to become someone else's burden but at least from my experience if you're the someone else and you like start helping someone lighten the load it actually lightens your own load for somehow you're like how does this work it, the math doesn't add up but it just does <laughs> yeah yeah Totally. You don't want to be a burden. You don't want someone to feel sorry for you. Like all of that stuff. And it's, it's not reality, but, but those are the excuses you use to, to not talk about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How did your understanding of depression change from, sorry, this is like on the external, a running podcast, but this (laughs) is what I loved about your book too, because I'm like, yeah, ultra runner is going to read this book because it's an ultra running vol state like that is going to bring them in but it's going to hit it's going to like punch them with something that's like way more important than <laughs> like <ultra> that <laughs> yeah and i try to do that with the podcast sometime i'm like yeah people are gonna think this is a running podcast and then we're just gonna yeah just just you wait roundhouse you kick wait. them <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah how did this change your perspective perspective from just like understanding it from like a scholarly view mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like actually experiencing it? Yeah, there, that's a really good question. There's a few things that I think um, were really um, important takeaways. Uh, I, I guess I, I always knew like the symptoms of depression, how it shows up. I knew, I knew the interventions for, to help treat depression, but, I guess I didn't understand just how completely consuming it can be sometimes where it just, it's like being stuck in a black cloud and you, you don't know how to get out. And um, it, like for, for people to say, and I, I never had this experience, but I know that people do like people to say, well, just, just be happy, like focus on the good things, or you have so much to be thankful for. Just focus on that. That is not the solution. That doesn't... I've been that jackass, by the way, who has so have that. I, like, I, 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 so have I, like, I, I mean, 
yes, that is true. You do need, you need to do those things, but that doesn't, that doesn't like fix the issue. That doesn't make things go away. So I think that was like so important to understand it so that when I talk to other people, um, to just have more empathy, like the, it can be deep. It can be, it can be black and scary. And, um, and then the other thing I had, I had a really, um, interesting experience. So I, I finally like mustered the courage to talk to my wife who is amazing and supportive. And, um, and then the next step that I took was to talk to my doctor and, um, that was so scary, but, um, I was so lucky because a lot of times doctors don't take the time to really like process things. They just write a prescription for a pill and that's all. And my doctor said, he, he pulled out a piece of paper and he, he drew a bunch of circles and, and he said, the, the biology, uh, chemistry part of depression, that's this circle here. And that, that is a really important part of depression. And then, and then all these other circles, there's like, um, physical health, there's relationships, there's, um, spirituality, there's, um, thought distortions, like the way we think all of those other things are components of depression. And so he said, I, I, I think it would be helpful to try uh, an antidepressant, a medication to help with this one circle. But after you walk out of this office, it's important to look at all of these other circles. And he said, I have, I have patients come back to me after a couple months and say, this medication isn't working. And, and he, he said, it, it's, they're not looking at all of these other circles. And, and a pill is not going to fix it. So it, it, it's one piece of a puzzle. So I, I think the way that he put that was so interesting and so important. Like, you, you can't just rely on a pill to fix it, just like you can't rely on running to fix it. Like, yes. for, for some people, running is, is like pulls them out of a, a funk, and that's all they need, and they're good, and they run, and it's everything's happy. But for a lot of people, that's not the case. Like running or exercise is so important, so valuable, so helpful, but it's one of the circles. And sometimes, sometimes you got to look at the other circles. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down, um, I thought a good takeaway was like ultra running. It's, it can't save us quote unquote. Like, and I've had experiences too, where I'm like, I've had life-changing experiences during an ultra run for sure. Right. And it's changed right. the way I've thought, yeah. but I've, I've never, I've tried not to express the idea of like, it saved me and I'm amazing now and I'll always be amazing. Like that's yeah. not reality. Um, yeah. So I wrote down something I was thinking of, like, I think what it can do is it can help us like practice and build skills that we can use to like understand life a little bit better, but it's not going to be like, there's no end all be all solution. And I love the idea of like all these different circles and you're going to have to like give attention to each one. Yeah. Yeah. Those life lessons and 
profound, like amazing experiences happen in races and running. And, and looking back, there was, there was an experience during Ball State where it, I just like, it, it finally clicked. It's okay to let other people help you. And I, it took me like 40 plus years to really realize that. I learned that lesson during the race. But if I don't, if I don't apply those lessons in the real world, then who cares? Like, then, then I just ran a race. Yeah. Yeah. And I think though, I think, do you find yourself like mostly applying lessons in the real world that you learn? I think I've gotten a lot better at it. I think, um, early on, I, I wasn't as great at it. Like ultra running, especially there, there's just so much to learn about perseverance and dedication and, um, overcoming when things get hard. But sometimes those are hard to like transition into real life. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm getting better at that. And, and I think this race, I, I just took so much out of it that luckily I've been able to apply outside of running. Yeah. One well, it's, it's it, your whole story about, um, getting help along the way and like realizing that was interesting to me because something ultra running teaches us sometimes is that we can bootstrap it and we can be tough and we can just tough it out and just do it ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then you, you ingrain that lesson, which is important in a lot of aspects of life. Like it's, that's an important lesson to have an understanding, but also the understanding of like, yeah, you don't have to do it all yourself. Like it's not all yeah. on you. It's not all on your shoulders. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's that that is one of the gosh, it's it's like such a such a strength and such a detriment to have that mindset of like I I can do this, like I, I can do this on my own. I can fight through the hard times. Like that's so that's so important in running and in life. And also that can sometimes keep you stuck. Yeah. Yeah, man, dude. And that was a huge part of, I mean, this is why I think this book is super important for people to read because even the title itself, like stronger than the dark, you're not referring to you and your self being stronger than the dark. You're, re you're referring to like us being stronger, you know? Yes. I, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I, I, I didn't want this to be like yeah. just about me. So I'm glad to hear that. That's so true. Yeah. One, like over this last year, we've become so used to being by ourselves somewhat. Um, yeah. we're, we've definitely become more, uh, kind of like isolated somewhat. I mean, at the same time, like from my experience, like my neighborhoods grown closer together like that, but just being around human beings, you haven't had the opportunities to do that as much. And I just think this is a really important lesson to like remember, you know, yeah. as yeah. we're all kind of like hopefully somewhat coming out of this pandemic. Yeah. It, it's been, it's been, it, the, the timing of the book is interesting. So I've been working doing the medical side of social work for like 16 years. And part of my, 
part of the, my job responsibility is doing these depression screenings with dialysis patients. And so I've seen like the trends over, over the years and like the ups and downs and, that people go through this past year. God, it, it took a toll on a lot of people. Like the, the, the number of people struggling with depression and the severity of that depression, it just skyrocketed over yeah. this past year. I think it was just, like you said, the, the lack of connection that we're used to. And um, I don't know. It, it also, really it's just like, for the longest time, it was the unknown that you're facing. And you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Like, just that, like, unknown, you're like, whoa, what's, I, it just plays with your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there, there were, there were days where like you, you couldn't watch the news and not feel depressed. No, it was scary. I had to be like, I'm going to read an article once a week. Like that's what I told myself. Like once a week, I'll read an article to stay informed, but I can't do it, man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Same. So crazy. I, so I have a friend actually, as I was reading your book, I was thinking about him. He has the same, immune deficiency oh he gets the shots his wife gives him the shots and wow. all that and i just i know that that just added this like extra stress on him so like I yeah what's with the with, uh, with covid and stuff and, like they're like hey if oh. you have immune problems stay away from covid and he's like i don't have an immune system like oh that's not good yes that was i mean gosh it it was it was something that I, I, for a while, I really was living in fear. Exactly that. Like I, I'm having to do these dumb infusions every week because I have no immune system. And I mean, it, it was so scary it, during that time when you watch the news and like the hospitals are overflowing and people are dying. And I, being in the medical field, like I heard really scary stories and I thought, I, there's no way, like, I'm going to get, if I get this, I'm not going to be able to fight it off. And, and I, I'm seeing people dying and I don't know, there was, there was a point where I was so scared that I wrote an obituary just because I wanted it to be like, I didn't want to, I didn't want some like cheesy sentimental obituary. I wanted like a funny one. Like (laughs) I want to be in charge of what, what's said about me. And but that's how scared yeah. I was. Like, if I get this, it, we didn't know what, what was going on at the time. Like, yeah. everyone was living in fear. And I thought, if I, if I get this, I'm going to be in trouble. So, Did you take it, the lessons away of, like, opening up about these things, like, and applied it to last year? Because as I was reading the book the whole time, I'm like, oh, my God, like, he's going through all this. And then 2020 happened afterwards. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> right. Like, were you able to apply some of the things you learned before, like, you know, from the lessons that we read about in this, in this book? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, luckily, so another, another part of this, another piece of mind puzzle was going to talk to a therapist, which was terrifying because I, I've done therapy and like to, to actually be the one sitting on the other side of the couch. Yeah. That was, that was scary, but it ended up being awesome because it was right around the time where 
stuff was crazy and scary. And so I had, I had someone to just like bounce ideas off of and I don't know, talk me off of the cliff of fear and help, help me process stuff. And so, um, yeah, it actually ended up working out good. And, and just that, that risk of being willing to talk to a therapist was a step that, um, came from, I don't know, willing, being willing to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. One in the book, like you kind of talked about, uh, now you're able to like recognize when this is building up, like it's something like it's not going to like, you don't magically heal and you're like, yeah, I'm good. And you like do one of those like newsy jumps, you know, like in the newsies and they click their heels. You're like, woo! Um, you know, which like actually that. now that I, I know, you know, after following your journey on like Facebook stuff, you do those newsy jumps. You get pretty dang high, dude. Anyways. I like the way you described it. That is a perfect description of newsy jump. <laughs> Gotta go with it. Side note real quick. I showed my kids the newsies. It's on Disney plus. And they're like seven and four and two. Okay. I have okay. a two-year-old also. She didn't really okay. pay attention. But I'm like, what do they think is happening in this movie? <laughs> like, it's all about like going on strike and like all this stuff. I'm like, what, what in their mind, what is the plot of this movie? It has to be way different than what I'm seeing. Right. <laughs> but no, man, uh, when, you, when you feel that black cloud like coming in or whatever, yeah, like what's like a strategy that you use that someone else might find applicable, you know, like when you're starting to feel that way? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important to kind of strategize and come up with a game plan, like specifics, um, figure that stuff out when you're in a good spot, like, um, and, and just know, like, like you said, there's not, there's not a finish line where you just get to be done and it doesn't, you're, you're healed. Like it, it will come back. Like, and, and everyone has that, like you, you go through highs and lows, like that's life. So I think, I think when you're in, in the middle of the darkness, it's really hard to figure out. So I think it's, it's so important to like, kind of strategize um while you're feeling good and and just maybe like so for me it's okay when when i notice that coming on one huge thing is to um address it early before before i am totally stuck it's it's just like with running like okay i have a i have a hot spot on my foot i i could just like stop and handle it right now or i can just go run for another 30 miles until an ice pick is poking through the bottom of my foot and it hurts so bad that i have to limp the rest of the way no just stop and fix it so i think it's the same kind of thing with this like it's it's important to notice and do something about it early on before you're like really in a bad place so for me it's it's about like um, recognizing it's coming on, talking to someone, whether it's my wife or um, I kind of like graduated therapy. Like I, I, I feel good right now, but 
I still have a relationship with this therapist that I went to and, and like the quote unquote graduation was, okay, I'm in a good spot right now. Thank you for helping me so much along the way. And I, I've got your number here. Yeah. And, and like it, if I, if I get to a point where I want to come back in a month or six months or a year and she's like, yeah, totally. That's what I'm here for. And, um, and she, this therapist that I went to Stacy, um, she said, I still go to therapy, but it, it's, it's for a different reason. I don't go to therapy in crisis mode. I do it kind of like maintenance. Like yeah. I'll go talk to a therapist every couple of months and just, just make sure that I, I'm on track and, and work through stuff before, before it's a crisis. I loved that idea. Um, I think it's important to take care of myself physically, make yeah. sure I'm getting enough sleep, get some exercise. Um, so all of that stuff I think is, is helpful. Um, really, I think the biggest part is just talking. Yeah, talking to someone, whether yeah. it's a family member or therapist or whoever, just just taking away the secrecy of it. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, let me ask a couple more things here. What from the other side of things? So I'm not the jackass who's just like, oh, I don't know, like, look at all this good stuff you got, you know, yeah. like, you know, or the people who are just like, yeah, like, just, uh, just, just be happy, you know, yeah, just uh-huh. be happy, and you're like, yeah, hey jackass like that's not working <laughs> like what, what what advice do you have for people on the other side like maybe they know somebody who's opening up to them about depression or yeah or whatever like what what advice because i'm like you know you hear like well just listen and just be there and i'm like yeah i know but as someone who's like like a helper like i want to be a helper you know what i mean yeah yeah uh-huh. so what's the best way to handle that um i think I think um, it's it's a matter of um, see, especially for guys, this is really hard. We just get into this fix mode. Like, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I notice it so much with my wife. Like, I she'll be, I don't know, have some issue at work or whatever, or kids or or struggles, and and I just get into this like, oh, oh, okay, I'm I'm a guy. Let me fix it. Well, yeah. no, no, no. I just need to shut up. Just, yeah. just, just sometimes it's, it, it really is just that, um, like let, let, let her vent, um, talk stuff out. Um, that, that really is, is huge. Um, I think that, um, trying to not come at it from like a, a judgmental, yeah point of view is is helpful um i mean it's funny you bring that up because me and my best friend travis have had that conversation so many times we're like dude we know that we're annoying when our significant (laughs) others bring problems to us like okay here's the list of like eight things you could try like (laughs) which makes sense in our brains but it's like yeah, yeah they just they just they want you to listen they want you to like have some empathy and like yeah you know <laughs> yes which is which is just hard like you like okay let me give you these eight steps and then yeah. everything will be fine like yeah it it's just the empathy and and um 
I, I don't know, just things like, um, I, I, I've noticed that um, since talking about stuff like that, like I even talked to my friends and, and, um, and now we just have this relationship, like, yeah, how you doing? And, and it's, and, and, and like instead of saying good, they'll actually like actually answer, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like most, most of the time we're just like, um, you know, being the jackasses and, and teasing and joking, but, yeah. but, but we also have that kind of relationship where like, you can kind of tell when, when someone's like, how, how are you doing? And, and you know, what's going on in people's lives. And, um, I think it, it's helped me so much to have, have those kind of relationships with friends where like most of the time we're laughing or joking or taking digs at each other. But if we're going through shit, like it's okay to talk about that too. Yeah, for sure, man, dude. I love that. And I think like, like I said, I think you putting this book out and being so open with your story, like is going to allow people to understand that and, and start applying that in their own lives, which is awesome, especially as a dude, like, you know, yeah. as a guy, it is, it's difficult to, you know, talk with, talk about your feelings and, and yeah. all that. We, we it's want not to be our stoic. We want to be like John strength. Wayne, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to, okay. So we'll end with this. So okay. I think Corey, I think you invented the whole, like, you know how, as soon as, um, covid shutdowns happened in the ultra running world everyone just started doing this wild wacky stuff (laughs) you know like i ran 50 miles around my garden and stuff like that (laughs) i think this is my theory uh i think you started the weird and wacky stuff years and years you were like the og of doing wacky adventures um like i remember last time i interviewed you about running 100 miles on a uh uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on it. A ship. Uh, I, I, yeah, a cruise ship. A yeah. cruise ship, yeah. I want to say tour yeah. ship. That doesn't make yeah. sense. But so I want to, like, when you think back to, well, in in the lockdown, did you do any weird, like, adventures by yourself? <laughs> yeah, I did a, I, I did it a little bigger than a garden, but I did 100 miles around the block, just nice. doing loops around the block, and it, it sucked. But, <laughs> Yeah, that's. I think that's the only thing I did during shutdown. Yeah. What's the weirdest, wackiest adventure you've come up with? Like your own event? Um, I mean, doing a hundred miles around a high school track is pretty, pretty rough. But I think that, I think that doing a hundred miles on the deck of the cruise ship was, that was a different level because it took sixteen loops to make a mile. So sixteen hundred loops to do a hundred and um i i i would like to say i'm a smarter person now and would not do that ever again but <laughs> it seemed like a good idea oh we time. just booked a cruise no <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't you like run to like donut shops or something i'm trying to remember yeah that was a good one yeah in ohio there's a um they call it the donut trail so there's 12 <laughs> or 13 gourmet donut shops within a hundred miles. And back in the day, it was, this was a couple of years ago, there was this video that was trending. It had like 4 million views of, of these donut shops. And I thought, well, I better run that route. Like I, I love running and 
I love donuts. You got the Venn diagram here yeah, in the middle exactly. is Corey running right. donuts. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing, man. How was that? Did the donuts sit well? Yeah, so the, the first donut was incredible. The second donut was really good. The third donut was pretty good. The fourth donut, <laughs> it wasn't good. And then from then on, I, I stopped liking donuts. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's really, so any donuts, can any donuts like bring you back to the donut love? Yeah, yeah. There, there's, a, there's a place in Vegas called Pink Box Donuts. And yeah. there's rumors that they're going to be opening a store here in Ooh. southern Utah. And I, I mean, in a way, I kind of hope they don't because <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be in big trouble if, if they, if it's accessible where it's just down the road and I can just go get donuts anytime, I'm going to need to run way more miles. <laughs> nice. That's awesome, man. Well, Corey, thank you for coming on the show, dude. Uh, can you tell people like, how can they get your book? Also, I have to show you my copy my two-year-old instantly put stickers on it. Nice. So awesome. I, like, I like it. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, where <laughs> can works. they find it? Yeah. Um, it's on uh, Amazon, Kindle, Audible, wherever. Awesome. Stronger yeah. than the dark. Did you do the Audible recording? Okay. No, I did not. I, yes and no. So okay. I had a, a real narrator that knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like read the book. But we also included 70 minutes of like bonus stuff at the end. Oh, where, perfect. So I'm talking with Jeff and Carol, who I did yeah. Ball State with. And then I also include like an interview with Stacy, this amazing therapist that I work with. And then also with my wife. Oh, so that's we cool. kind of like go into these different parts of the book and talk about stuff that isn't in the book. Dude, so. I'm going to get the audible version now too. <laughs> I, I, one time, uh, I interviewed Travis Macy. Do you know Travis yeah, Macy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's an awesome dude. Um, awesome. and I listened, he's like, yeah, you might want to read ultra mindset, um, his book, which I really enjoyed too. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, cool, cool. So I downloaded the audible version and it was, you know, his personal story and like a but it wasn't narrated by him. Uh -huh. And so then I go to his door and like knock on his door. He opens the door. He's like, Hey Chris. And I'm like, Whoa, you sound way different. Oh my God. You didn't record the audible. This is yeah. wild. So yeah. I know like, I like to hear the author's voice. Yeah. So, but I also know I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a narrator. Like that's, that's not my strong suit, <laughs> but I like to hear authors. And yeah. so this was like the solution okay, get someone that's really is amazing solution. as a narrator and yeah. then we'll throw in stuff with the author at the end. So. That's awesome. Well, guys, like, like I said, definitely check out Stronger Than The Dark. I read it in like a day and a half. So it was, it was incredible. So thank you for coming on, Corey. I really, really enjoyed talking with you and kind of picking your brain on some of those ideas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to, good to talk to you again. That was fun. Yeah. All right, ladies and gents, that wraps up the show this week. Uh, huge thanks to Corey. Um, you know, both times I've sat down to record an episode with him have been amazing. Um, it was really nice to just talk to someone in an open way about struggles that people face. Uh, struggles aren't abnormal. Um, you know, if, if you're out there thinking like my life is going to... Uh, 
be like a boat just sitting on the smoothest waters of all time forever. Like that's always going to be my life. Like there, there's going to come a day where a windstorm's going to hit you and it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, when people, you know, I think people and including myself here, people get afraid to admit that they're struggling because they don't want to seem quote unquote like weird or abnormal or, Oh my gosh, like what will people think of me if they knew I was facing this? And, you know, you go through all of those insecurities and you know what people probably would think if you like opened yourselves up and, you know, asked for help or told them you were struggling, people would probably think, Oh yeah, they're a normal human being just like me. Um, and I think that's part of actually, when we talked about, you know, when you're carrying this heavy burden and this heavy load and you're holding on to it and you're trying to power through and you're trying to, you know, get it, get through yourself, um, like be by yourself with no one's help. Um, and then we talked about, you know, once you share it with someone else, like you share the burden, you share the load, um, in a weird way, if that person's burden is actually like lightning, you know what I mean? Like they're helping you and in that way, in that sense, it like helps them too. And I think part of that is by, you know, you sharing your struggles with someone else, that person, their struggles also get lightened because they realize they're not in it alone either. Um, everybody's struggling with something at the end of the day. Um, you know, you can look on online and see the smiling faces all the time and all that. And, you know, obviously I like to go out in the morning and take pictures of sunrises and all that. And with the hopes of, you know, people understanding like, Hey, like that's a part of my day. That's like an hour of my day or two hours of my day. Um, and the rest of the day, like is awesome most of the time, but there are times that are difficult too. Um, you know, like as a parent, you know, you'll go on social media and stuff and you'll see people and they've taken pictures of their kids and they're all smiling and having fun and stuff. And then you're like, Oh my God, my kids were just like, like hitting each other with a stick or something. Or yesterday they were spraying each other in the face with these water rocket things. And they thought it was hilarious until it wasn't hilarious. <laughs> and you, But if you're just looking at the like kind of fake online picture, which isn't a necessarily a bad thing. Like think about it, you know, when you were growing up before social media, um, everyone had like photo albums. Like most of the photos in the photo albums were like of people smiling and stuff. Like that's what you do in pictures. You know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, the problem is when you think what you're seeing online is a reality, and that everyone else's life is awesome and yours has difficulties. Like, it's just, I know it's easy to say, like, everyone's going through something. It's, it's, that's part of life. That's what it is for everyone. But, um, I think it's hard to kind of perceive that sometimes you get stuck in this, like, fake reality that you've made up in your mind, I guess. Um, at least from my experience, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just paused the podcast because I'm like, I was trying to reflect. Did what I just say make any sense at all? The answer is, I don't know. I was going to go back and delete what I just said because I have no idea where I was going with that. Um, but I'm going to leave it. 
I, I, you can see, you can see the messy side, right? <laughs> if I went back and deleted it, I would be actually doing exactly what I was just saying is the kind of the tricky part. So yeah, man, uh, <laughs> hopefully someone pulled something from that. Um, I don't know. I emailed Corey after like right afterwards and told him, thank you. And, you know, I just was thinking like, when I think about the idea in his story, which is like once, and the lesson is there. It's like, once you share how you're feeling with other people, there is this moment of relief. Um, and I was thinking about, uh, you know, like I guess an analogy would be like when you open a pop bottle, right? Or a soda or my grandma used to call them sodi pops and it was like the cutest thing ever and it just makes my heart happy. Uh, but when you open that sodi pop uh, and it makes that like sound, right? And you're like, whoa, oh, that is just satisfying to hear, right? You don't like you, you like you don't just hear it. You like feel it, you know, you go, and you're like, Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's in the past when I've really been dwelling on something in my brain and worrying and just building up this like anxiety about something, whether it's, you know, something I was feeling guilty about or something I was anxious about in the future. Um, it would just build up and build up and build up in my mind. And then as soon as I talked to somebody, like either a friend or a family member, I would just feel that like, it would be like the pop can. It would just go, and I'd be like, oh, that's just so much. It just feels better to like say what I've been thinking out loud. Um, and for people who don't have like a lot of like, social interaction in their day-to-day -day with people um, and I'm thinking about myself when I was when I stayed home with my kids uh, I was a stay-at-home dad for a year you would get thought or I would get thoughts that would be in, just show up in my brain and I would dwell on them all day long and I had no one to talk to about like like it would be like a thought of like, oh my gosh, this person hasn't called me back. Like what if they're mad at me? And then I just like go through all of the times where I possibly could have made them mad. And by the end of the day, I'd be like, I definitely made them mad. Like they're definitely like really upset at me. Like I would convince myself of these like things that weren't real just because I'd be stuck in my head the whole entire day without someone to, to talk to. And, um, and I just see how that's, that's difficult. That's really, really difficult. And you get that moment of like catharsis when you actually say how you're feeling to somebody. Or if, you know, like if, if I was, it, then it, if I talked to the person I thought was upset at me and they're like, no, I wasn't upset. Like I was just, I, you know, I hadn't called back. I wasn't busy. I was busy. And you'd be like, oh, okay. Why did I just dwell on that for 30 hours, you know? Uh, and it would just be this relief. And I don't know. I think when I, when I mentioned the Royal Tenenbaums thing, that's kind of what I was thinking of. Like the, the big heroic moment in this movie is just Ben Stiller finally admitting that he's had a rough year. Like, and he says the words and he says it perfectly. And I rewatched it after talking with Corey and I started crying and he just says it perfectly. And but you, where you can tell there's like relief in his voice that he's finally saying, he's finally admitting it to himself. He's finally being honest that he's having a tough time with things. 
and his his dad's there and it just makes him realize like oh yeah people are here for me people are here to help me out um which is awesome so anywho i know this is a running podcast and uh, uh but i do really enjoy um you know kind of making it where you can talk about deeper things because you know running and adventure are all all of the beautiful rainbow of life uh it's all in there so you know it's just it's fun to talk about it all um all right guys uh yeah so desert rats yeah i went through the whole episode didn't even mention it um so we're headed out in so this is gonna come out on friday so on saturday we're gonna head out to fruta and moab and we're going to start filming the race so all of next week I will be in the desert. I don't know if I'll get service. If I do, I'll try to update a little bit on the Like a Bigfoot Instagram of just how the filming is going. Um, this week, obviously, has been a whole bunch of planning and packing and grocery shopping and and talking to people on the phone and making sure all the pieces are in place and trying not to freak out about things I can't control, like a giant uh, fire, unfortunately, started by... Some people leaving a fire unattended uh, when they weren't supposed to have fires in the LaSalle Mountains. Um, so it's just this week's definitely been all over the place with with tasks and, and you know, uh, things that are anxious but excited and all that. Um, and our Indiegogo is ending. I think by the time this comes out, there's probably still like six more hours or eight more hours. So if you're interested in helping us out, go on there. That'd be awesome. If you're listening to this right away, if you're not, I don't know. I think you might still be able to go on there though. I'm not sure. So I'll update you guys on that in a few weeks. Um, but next week, probably midweek sometime, I'm going to put out an episode about desert rats with, uh, with one of the racers before we head out to the desert. Um, that's going to probably drop midweek and then there won't be another one next friday so we'll just count that as next week's episode i thought i put it out midweek though because you might want to follow along the trackers of the race and i'll just put a reminder in there of that um and then the week after that i'm actually going to take a week off of the podcast um we're gonna go on a road trip so i'm just gonna kind of hold back on one of the episodes that week and try to make sure i am uh being as disconnected as possible so i can regain uh some um relaxation after you know filming and planning and all of this and obviously for the film project like we're gonna go out and collect all this footage um it's still gonna be like another year year long process probably just estimating um between we're going to take a month off or two months off of thinking about desert rats and just kind of process what we witnessed, what we filmed. Um, and then my buddy, Paul Shearing is going, we're going to kind of team up. He's going to do the majority of like the writing of like, what's the story we want to tell. Um, and then we're going to get it edited. And then, you know, you probably go through a whole bunch of different drafts of the edit. So it's going to be a long process and we do need like a month or so to just kind of put that project to the side and process it and think about it before we take the next step of 
putting the puzzle pieces together then. So, uh, so that's kind of a long outro guys. Um, if you're still listening, like, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for supporting this podcast and hopefully it's bringing you as much as it's bringing me. This podcast has been life changing. Um, I get to sit down and talk to people like Corey, which is incredible and really kind of have these open, uh, discussions about some difficult topics. People don't like to necessarily sit and talk about things that are tough. And I do think though ultra running can't save us or heal us all the way or make it everything perfect. I do think it makes us tough and empathetic and it makes us open to have real conversations with with each other and with ourselves. I think when it strips you down bare bones and your ego is just smacked in the face with miles and miles of road and like Tennessee heat, uh, you become a person who's more willing to dive in to hard stuff. And sometimes that hard stuff is being open and honest with yourself or, um, you know, deciding that you can't just be John Wayne and, and grit your teeth and, and handle all of life's hardships by yourself. Like we are here, we are a community. Um, we are here to help other people out. So, um, share your triumphs, share your struggles. Uh, other people just make life worth living and make it this, an amazing, beautiful place that we live on. So, um, all right guys, uh, we'll get back at you next week. Talk to you then. Bye stronger than the dark. It is awesome. You'll love it. All right. See ya.